Today on the Zabecast, Drew Brees and LeBron James are now firing on each other. Oh my God. How on earth did we get here? The Colin Kaepernick wound that took four years to close has now been gashed open. Charge joins me. We'll take a tour away from the Rona, rioting and protesting news du jour, and talk about something fun and stupid like dog dreams. Your daily Kickstarter of Uncensored Zabe is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Thursday, June 4th, 2020. Thank you for joining me. And to quote Heath Ledger as the Joker right before his mayhem exploded upon Gotham. And here we go. And here we go. Drew Brees, in an interview with Yahoo Sports on Wednesday, reiterated his stance that he will always stand for the American flag and still does not believe in disrespecting it by showing protests or by kneeling or that kind of a thing. I won't quote the exact Drew Brees thing. It doesn't matter. I don't have it in front of me. You get the gist of it. The bottom line is the reaction as soon as I saw it, I said, oh, my God. Now, the, the happiest guy for this is Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio stepped in it because he said, in the NFL, I don't see racism. And he went on to espouse all the good that he sees and has seen in NFL locker rooms when it comes to races coming together and kumbayaing towards a common goal. And I totally got what he was saying, but I also understood you're not allowed to say that. Not right now. He's not allowed to say that for sure. So he walked that back. He's now been blown off the page by Drew Brees. And LeBron James took virtually no time whatsoever to fire back and say, basically, it's not about the flag. It's never been about the flag. And I can't believe we're still doing this. And then, of course, the Me Too chorus of righteousness and everyone (laughs) predictably swooped on in. And look, the, the arguments of this debate, I can argue both sides. And I get it. You know, the the uh, the side that says it's not about the flag, it's not about the military, I understand you're saying this protest is about police brutality. And that as long as pr- police brutality exists in America at the level it does, or that we believe it does, then we're going to take a knee until this is resolved. And they say it's an appropriate time to do it because the NFL, while they are putting on a entertainment product. They are politicizing their entertainment product with the national anthem and respecting the flag. Therefore, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. That's essentially that side of things. The other side of it is that many people believe that the flag is a proxy. I mean, they don't believe it is. The flag is a proxy for the country. And it's something that stands for America in all of her imperfections and shortcomings, and areas where she needs to do better. And many people believe that the flag should not be caught in an innocent cultural crossfire, uh, much like, hey man, I wasn't shooting at that kid I killed, that that four-year-old that I killed in a drive-by, I was shooting at that other asshole gangbanger who I have a beef with. Yeah, well... You put innocence in the way. Some believe that the American flag is essentially that, 
and that we should remember all that the American flag still stands for that is not just good, but great. Almost like a safe space, that the anthem should be a safe space, so to speak, from issue advocacy. Cameron Wolf, who covers the Miami Dolphins, tweeted, Police brutality and racism are not political issues. They are societal issues. They are both real. Athletes' protests by kneeling during the anthem were never about the flag or military. It was about these societal issues. Not sure why any of this is hard to understand. All right, let me let me try here, Cameron. I'll try to just explain the other side of it because you don't – I don't know if you've been – I don't know if you have heard this side of the argument. Two things. First of all, police brutality is real. But the solutions, causes of, and degree of it is not black and white. And there is room for discussion on all that. And debate. Secondly, same thing on racism. Racism is real. But the degree, scope, and instances of what is and is not racist, how it's racist, where and to what degree, are still very hotly debated. So just saying they're real doesn't mean that necessarily this is an appropriate time and place for the protest. I've always stood on the side of, hey, it's the NFL's presentation, it's their product. They control what NFL players wear, Uh, T-shirts, hats, everything. From an hour before they step foot on an NFL facility on Sunday until an hour afterwards. How about them apples? They don't let you do cross-marketing, viral marketing. They control how high your socks can be, what you can wear, whether you can put tape on your face mask, and on, and on, and on. And that's because it's collectively bargained, and it's their show. It's their show, it's their league, it's their stage, it's their stadiums. This is their product, and this is how they want to present it. It's their platform. See, people say, well, Kaepernick has a platform. He needs to, He has the right to speak out. I don't believe the NFL's stadiums are his platform. That's why I'm talking about this on what is my platform, a podcast. I don't get too deep into this on other shows necessarily, or I don't, I do on this particular issue, but let's say I had another issue that was not even really sports related that I was big on. And I spent time, uh, which could otherwise be spent on two of my stations talking about something exciting like middle relief ERAs and went off on this separate issue that people said, what? The platform holders, the radio stations and the companies would probably say, hey man, um, I'm not sure this is the place for it. Others would say, there is no such thing that if you believe strongly in a very important issue that any place, any time is rightfully the place. I that argument is not resolved amongst many people. Many people believe one side or the other. I believe from a jurisdiction standpoint, the NFL has absolutely the right to say, we're presenting the flag and the anthem and, and this is not a time to protest. The NBA laid down the law on that when Makdub Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf turned his back on the anthem and David Stern nipped it in a bud. Now, here's the outlet valve for the NBA. They allow their players a lot of freedom to wear T-shirts, undershirts, cause shirts, and other social stuff as long as it's outside of when the anthem is played in arenas. So their players feel like they have an outlet on the NFL stage to go ahead and have their particular causes. Also, the NBA benefits 
from being, well, first of all, they realize that they are overwhelmingly black, 86% maybe. NFL's closer to 60. The NBA is more of an urban product, an urban, uh, and when I say urban, I mean urban whites and blacks, and it skews more towards the north, and football tends to be not so much, not quite as much in the cities, not quite as educated urban elite of all colors, more southern, more redneck, and some would say more racist, but you can't necessarily prove it, but whatever. And the NFL obviously has um, a different product profile that they are trying to protect against alienating, and so therefore it's a stickier situation for them. So I don't think the NFL could adopt the NBA's model for, hey, nothing during the anthem, but if you want to wear an undershirt or a sweatband that has your cause on it, go for it. Of course, they've tried all this, the NFL. They have tried. They have done my cause, my cleats, and they let one week a year. Hey, paint up your cleats. Wear them in warm-ups. Donate to a good cause. They have started you know, this you know, Players Advisory Council and been more active, and they've hired VPs and community outreach people and everything else. What good has it done them? It's never enough, apparently, for the NFL. Goodell being weak and Goodell not – seizing the moment back when he had the chance to nip it, nip it in the bud, is now neck deep in this. And now one of their star players, Drew Brees, is being fired on on all sides, including by his new teammate, Malcolm Jenkins. Get a load of this from Malcolm Jenkins. And it's unfortunate because I considered you a friend. I looked up to you. You're somebody who I had a great deal of respect for. But sometimes you should shut the fuck up. Wow. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. That is an odd way to say, you know, I disagree, but let's have a conversation. It's a weird way to say, you know, I think there's a bridge to some understanding, but I'd like to hear more. It's a funny way for Malcolm Jenkins to say, I can't fully understand your life experiences or your point on this, but... I'd love to share with you my perspective and others, so let's get together. Shut the fuck up. That is going to be the new American motto, I guess, of the close-minded and the righteous. I'll tell you what the new motto of of public figures and sports stars is going to be. No comment. No comment. Of course, that soon, too, may not be enough. You may be forced, force march to weigh in and agree with the mob on whatever it is the uh, issue du jour. It's funny because the Fifth Amendment guarantees the right not to talk to police, not to self-incriminate yourself, self-incriminate yourself, the right right against self-incrimination or to testify against yourself essentially uh, when you are being accused or arrested of a crime. Even if you chop off a guy's head, in the public square, you can invoke the Fifth Amendment. It's almost like I'm feeling we're getting to the point where you don't even have a Fifth Amendment right to say no comment based on a societal issue. It's too early to see how Drew Brees is going to handle this. I'm not even going to look right now to see if he's walked it back, retracted, clarified, or whatever. Uh, But my gut is Drew Brees is going to have to fight this. 
that this is this is huge. This will have impact if he caves. Of course, some are saying it's going to have a huge impact in the locker room, that uh, the black players on the team that are pissed off, they're not going to change their minds. Some would say the damage is done. Some would say an apology is too late. It's quite a thing. It's unfortunate. NBA is a plan to come back. All right. It's going to take a while, but it's interesting. Hadn't been formally announced. They're going to vote on it today, Thursday. Um, 22 teams. So the Wizards are going to Orlando. Yeehaw. And they're going to do a little regular season, like eight games, just to mop up. Then they're going to have a mini play-in tournament, and then they're going to have the playoffs. They're also going to try to devise ways to give the teams that have earned home court advantage a bit of an advantage. One of the things being talked about, excuse me, is giving potentially a seventh foul to one player on the team with home court advantage. Or if you have home court on your home court, you get a seventh foul. Wow. I would caution, as enticing as that would be for Bucks fans thinking about Giannis with seven fouls, get out of our way. Or LeBron with seven fouls, get out of our way. Um, if he, if, if they do that, you start to really cheapen the eventual champion because you say, well, I mean, Giannis had seven fouls for four of the seven games. He never fouled out. He averaged 50 points a game. I would shy against that. Another part of the home court they said was going to be allowing teams to ship in literally their home court, like the hardwood. (laughs) Like, why? They say to feel comfortable with your own court. I guess maybe you would still have dead spots shipped around the country and put in place in Disney. I don't see if that's a smart use of money. I can just imagine. Hey, there's a package on the front door of the Polynesian. What is it? I don't know, but it's fucking huge. Oh, yeah, that's our court. Yeah, it just got here. We're going to go install it. (laughs) Crazy. MLB. Do not have a plan. It is dark right now. I mean, really, really dark. I would say that they are Grover, not near, but far away still from a deal. This is near. Which they are not. This is far. MLB is about to uh, strike out with the bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth inning. And if they do, they are going to get a giant Go fuck yourselves from the American public and baseball fans like they've never seen before. It's there. I know it. I feel it. I've heard it. I see it coming. And they are going to be blown away at the scope of it. So good luck. Dig in and we'll see. I have a lot of Rona and riot-related stuff. I don't have the time. I've already gone 15 minutes so far. I want to give you one story that is stunning right now that, well, you may not hear about except for in places like this. It's a story of our country's medical establishment and their utter corruption and shamelessness. There is a story out, and of course it was done by The Guardian, over in the UK. I don't know if any American outlets reported this. I think some were on the trail of it, but certainly not mainstream reporting. 
hydroxychloroquine, which early on in the pandemic was showing some promising results by doctors in hospitals around the world, not in any sort of formal studies, and it looked like it was helping. Okay, fine. Hydroxychloroquine's been around forever. It's cheap. It's all patent. I use it for my rheumatoid arthritis. I don't think it does anything, but I use it anyway. They prescribe it. And Trump was talking about it early on. And the medical establishment, no fans of Trump, decided, oh, well, if Trump likes it, we're against it. And they swung into action to do all they could to discredit it and own Trump. To the point where we get to this story, governments and World Health Organization changed COVID-19 policy based on suspect data from tiny U.S. company. The company is called Surgisphere, and they claim to have done a very broad-ranging study on the use of hydroxychloroquine for COVID-19 patients. And they purported to come back with results that said, no good, doesn't work. Okay, fine. Small company claims to do a study, says it doesn't work. Fine. Lots of companies can do studies. This is where the scandal begins in earnest. The Lancet, which is, I guess, England's version of the New England Journal of Medicine, along with the New England Journal of Medicine, highly respected, swung into action and put out papers based on Surgisphere's results, even though they had done nothing to find out if they knew what the fuck Surgisphere was doing, how their test and their trial was conducted, and on and on and on. Leading medical journals, The Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine, published studies based on Surgisphere data. (laughs) Guess what they found out? The Guardian investigation into Surgisphere revealed that the U.S.-based company has just a handful of employees, employees that appear to include a science fiction writer and an adult content model. They have so far failed to adequately explain their data or methodology. Even further, a search of publicly publicly available material suggests several of Surgisphere's employees have little or no data or scientific background. The company's LinkedIn page has fewer than 100 followers, and the six employees was changed to just three as of Wednesday. Surgisphere claimed to run one of the largest and fastest hospital databases in the world. It has almost no online presence, however. Its Twitter handle has fewer than 170 followers and had no posts between October of 2017 until March of 2020. Oh, March of 2020. Until Monday, the Get in Touch link on Surgisphere's homepage redirected to a WordPress template for a cryptocurrency website. This study was taken hot off the presses by New England's JAMA and the Lancet. And they're like, see, see, hydroxychloroquine doesn't work. It's unreal. A couple of tweets on this. James Tadaro 
MD says, congrats to all the Twitter researchers and amateur sleuths. In less than a week, we uncovered one of the greatest scandals in medicine while the World Health Organization, Lancet, New England Journal of Medicine, and FDA stood by. Take a moment to appreciate this. Another tweet said, decentralized doctors were experimenting and found a cheap, effective drug against COVID-19, hydroxychloroquine. Not perfect, but cheap and effective if applied early. Meanwhile, Harvard Fiat Science trademark, I don't know what that means, along with journals and the World Health Organization produce a scam study to stop it. Decentralized internet doctors uncover scam in a matter of days. This story is going straight into the fiat standard. Crazy times we're living in, isn't it? So there you go. Take it for what it's worth. This is the kind of stuff that's happening behind the scenes, under the surface, with this pandemic. There is some major proxy wars going on at the highest levels and with the utmost of ferocity. So be aware, read, think for yourself, keep an open mind. Let's talk to charge kids. This is where the DJ talks. Don't say anything. Okay. You're in fine form. I really am. I'm nailing it. Did you hear? Did you see Frank Caliendo doing this for Bob and Doug, the two SpaceX astronauts? Yes, it was awesome. Numerous followers are nice enough to tweet that to me. That was fantastic. We should really we should we should steal that somehow. That'd be great to work it in. Well, everyone's bit is stolen when it's all said and done, right? Hey, Ozer, take off. All right, before we get into our bag of nonsense, uh, because the world needs some good nonsense diversion, uh, can I just get a quick thought or two on the state of things in Minnesota? Well, much better now than last Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. Um, it was uh, it was very sobering, Zabe, and uh, it was sad, and I think there's going to be a lot of repercussions for a long time here, and... Um, I don't want to be the epicenter of these kinds of things ever again. If I, if it's not too much trouble, we'd like to just be, we just want to be flyover land. You know, can we just be the cornfields? You know, you look down and maybe in the distance on your, on your flight, you see some lights in a city somewhere. That can be us. That would be just fine. Shit. You're not even flyover country. We don't fly that high. When when, I know when I'm (laughs) flying from coast to coast, we're like, Hey, Minnesota, how you doing? You know, it's funny. Here's a little sidebar on this. So, Whenever I'm flying, and especially at night, and you're flying over little specks and strips of lights and cities, yeah. Yeah. I always charge, look down and think, huh, wonder who that is. wonder what those people are doing. wonder yeah. what it's like to live there. Is live it, there. Is, yeah. it, is, it, is it miserable, or do the people <laughs> there go, no, we like it here. We're happy. I guess they have to uh, like it enough that they're not going to leave. Yeah, they and apparently they don't leave. And you know, and by the way, my 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 city making a case for getting the hell out of cities and go live in some town with you know five thousand people in it. Charge, I'm I'm not a I'm not an expert in this, but I I have horse sense like an old cowboy. 
I think this is going to hurt big cities for 20 years. I think there is going to be an exodus from big cities. And what's unfortunate is that you and I are old enough. We know how far big cities have come in 20 years. And I was quoting the crime rates from New York City from 2000 or 1990, I believe. Do you know mm. what, Do you know how many murders there were in New York City in 1990? It's gonna. I bet we're way down. Two, but I bet way down. 2,200. Wow. Murders in New York City alone in 1990. It dropped to like 1,900 and 1,800, but it was excessively high. Last mm-hmm. year, I think the number was 386. Now, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Right well, now, you know, now, and I'm not saying the murder rate's going to go up again. Some are saying, well, they cracked down on gun ownership. Uh, I think there's more to it than that, though, because you know, people that murder people don't have registered, don't licensed care. firearms. Yeah, of course not. Of course so not. there, you know, but there, there's a lot of things that go into that. The murder rate may not go up again, but here is what would be daunting for me if I lived in a big city. If I could witness in visceral horror the kind of mayhem that erupted. In these last Ugh. several days, I would say to myself, the political will to keep that under lit, uh, you know, keep a lid on that in the future for who knows what could come along is not strong enough for me to feel safe here or for me, and more importantly, to open a business here. Yeah, which is a which is a huge part of it, right? Uh, you know, all these businesses that got looted, it's, ransacked. It's the and- whole game. It's more than just it, – it's the ball game. It's tax revenue. It's livability. It's jobs. Mm-hmm. It's everything. Maybe our big cities have just reached a point where they're just as big as they should be. And we've crammed as many people as we should into tightly tight spaces as much as we should. And There's you a, know maybe it's just going to broaden out now. And we're going to have the, the middle-tiered cities are going to be more of a draw. You know what, Church? There's a decent argument for that. Because we do have a lot of room yet to roam. The other thing you learn flying over that, you know, glorious U.S. of A. at night, you see a lot of dark spots, and you're like, "Ain't nobody here. Ain't nobody here. I know. Ain't nobody right. there. There's room to spread out, to be sure. And here's the other thing that's going to hurt cities: this forced lockdown with telework policies. Mm-hmm. Don't need to. I don't need to be there in the office. I can go live for what I pay to live in the suburbs on a third of an acre lot, I could move to mid rural and own 20 acres and a horse ranch. Exactly. Right. That's when, that's when mid middle, mid level manager for ABC widgets, who was working from home for four months in 2020 and everything was just fine says, I'm not going to spend money to live in Chicago. I'm moving out to Iowa. Fuck off. Or you can fire me. Right, and so right. the exodus begins and the tax base exodus begins in the cities yeah. that already were fucking up and mismanaging their budgets are going to struggle even more. It's it's going to be bad. It's going to be rough, but I don't dwell on it because I can't control it. And one thing I've tried to learn of myself is stop worrying about shit you can't control, man. Um, two other just quick things on this that, that you've touched on the, when you're flying over at any point of your flight and you look down, it is usually nothing there. It might be farmland or it's just scrub, right? So when people tell me that we have a, um, 
we have a a problem with like garbage and landfills. I, like you don't buy it. No, we don't. <laughs> we just oh, you know, uh, but you just know. put it all on put it on a train to the middle of nowhere and just go dump it. You know, we just you know we do not have a landfill problem in this country. We also we just don't yeah. want we just You're don't right. want to move it far enough. You're right. Well, people don't have a good idea of scope or scale. I said on the podcast the other day, I Very said as, as much as it seems like the whole country's on fire, I said easily 98% of the country is peaceful and quiet these last eight days. Oh, yeah. come on. And I'm like, do the math. If 20,000 yeah. people are rioting in 20 major cities, which I think was the outer limits of probably what was happening, that's 400,000 people. That is a fraction of 1%. It's nothing. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we don't. Uh, we don't. It's a good point. We don't understand. I mean, we understand scale, but it's hard to sort of keep it in your head. So there's our, that. No, our brains. No, our brains don't understand scale. We, you know, we we can't fathom numbers when they start to get higher than even a few hundred. We start having a real problem conceptualizing it, Is and that it's true? how you end up with. Oh, absolutely true. Um, and it, it, it and it's how you end up being. It's impossible to conceptualize things like our debt. You know, you know, it's, yeah, you know you, you yeah. can't, you can't, it doesn't even just stop meaning anything anymore. Right. We can't, we can't, we, it's, you know, the human brain has massive limitations on, on how it can process scale. One other thing that you mentioned in passing is, um, will our government and our leaders come rescue us? I would like to point to Minnesota on Wednesday night, Thursday night and Friday night of last week. When we have looters and fires being set and no response from police, no, the National Guard aren't doing anything, or in, the, and in some cases weren't even involved yet, and our mayor, governor aren't even talking to us the whole night. They're, they, they come on, they would, they, we'd, they'd be just gone. You know, no, we'd see them once a day. And so you can't, I don't think, I, one of my key takeaways is I can't trust our leaders to necessarily be there when we no, need them the most. No. And I saw how dishonest your politicians were when they quickly said 90% of them are out of towners causing all this. Oh shit. yeah. And then mm-hmm. they had to backtrack because the actual <laughs> data was different. And somebody explained it this way. Your leaders just couldn't get their head around the notion that their own wonderful Minnesotans could do this. It's it true. was it was a story too heartbreaking to believe, and as yes. humans, and more so as politicians who are fuck ups and assholes for the most part, not all of them, but most of them. That's why they're in politics. They resorted to lying. They wanted to lie for the dream instead of say objectively, "Well, who are these people? Where did they come from?" It's unfortunate. I think gun control is dead for our lifetime for the most part. I mean, there was uh, eighty. There was an eighty percent uptick in gun sales in the month of May. Versus mm. last year, 80%. Yeah. And that's before all the shit really started going down. And I just, I don't know, a lot of weird things going to happen from this. But you know what? We're going to press on live our life. I'm glad you're safe and okay. Yep. Fan, fanball headquarters, did, that didn't get burned to the ground, did it? Nope. Okay, it, good. It, is, it's all fine. Is my favorite steakhouse still standing, Manny's? It is, but it's not open because the only places that can open here are are places that have an outdoor patio is the only place we're allowed. So get this. We have, we have a governor who's begging people to come together and protest peaceably, but you can't go into a restaurant. And again, he's the guy that was elected. The people said he's our guy. Waltz, Waltz. He's the man. We'll see how long that lasts. All right. Let's, uh, let's Um, move on to happier things. You're a dog owner. I'm a dog owner. 
Wonderful yep. moment last night. Little Tucker had this amazing dream about <laughs> something. I have no idea what. How would you know? But he's, <laughs> he's, I can just imagine. He's lying flat out on the couch, and we, my wife and I start hearing these little yelps and almost mm-hmm. guttural barks that really? don't even yeah, – the, the barks were coming from inside his body, like mm. – and he was uh-huh. kicking his leg – and he was twitching his mouth, and I, <laughs> I got my camera, I got my cell phone out, I got my camera over there, and I was like, real quiet, I was like, yeah, buddy, go get that, go get that rabbit, go get it, you got it, boy. And it was so cool, and I thought to myself, a doggy dream has to be, and watching it, has to be one of the purest moments in the world, akin to watching a little toddler crack up and not be able to stop laughing. You've seen those videos on the internet, right? And you've seen well, and, little and kids I had a daughter like yeah. you. Yeah. Right. You've seen a daughter where they get yeah. silly and they can't stop yeah. laughing. It's what, the best. Now, have you watched your dogs have dreams before? Oh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, but I think really, and you're right, it's a moment of just pure unadulterated joy for your dog. And but really, this is what dogs are all about anyway, Zabe. Dogs are have got a purity of spirit that humans can't even comprehend. Your dog's love for you, Zabe, is unconditional. I know. He you know, he loves you no matter what. And unless you beat your dog, that dog is there for you. He is always happy to see you. When does your when does Tucker want to spend time with you? All the always. time. Always. All the time. All Tucker wants to do is be your companion in life with everything that you do. That's all your dog wants to do. There is a purity uh, that is in dogs that is something we don't see in any other pet, not a cat, not your pet fish, not your guinea pig. You get no, it's no snake. You get no, you get, do not get the unconditional purity that you get in a dog. Tucker's a field spaniel, so his tail is docked because that's what they okay. do with the breed. Yeah. And when I first see him in the morning, it'll be on the couch, and I'll start walking over him. What do I see going bup, 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 (laughs) his little dog tail? Like, that that alone does an endorphin thing that is unreplicatable almost in any other. Yes, for me. Yeah, exactly. For humans. For me and and, and everything else. And you talk about, you know, your, your dog will love you and trust you. I mean, because I have only made him yelp accidentally a couple of times. Uh, mm-hmm. I will come up to him and I'll just take my hands and I'll massage his head and I'll ru- I'll put brush his fur the wrong way and I'll yeah. poop his nose. I'm like, buddy, what's going on? And I'll do all this with his head. <laughs> and I'll often think to myself, he has no fear whatsoever that I'm going to hurt him in any way. So beautiful. No. So beautiful. I, and it's, it's, has, I, if, there's no if, idea what I'm, I'm doing to him, but I mean, I just sort of no. love it. Like, ah, like you can, you can stick your finger in his ear and that elicits this <laughs> deep, <laughs> You can make Tucker go, like not a meme, but like a satisfied, if you get your yeah. finger in his ear and kind of to kind of wiggle it around. It's so well, good. Well, to be to be clear, Zabe, if you did that to my ear, you would also get a groan hey, from me too. So, you know. Come on. Uh, All right. So that's what I got. Second thing I got for you, and then I'm going to turn it over to your handful of topics. I bought off Amazon maybe the dumbest thing I've ever bought, but it only cost 14 bucks. It is a clear one-gallon water bottle that has on the side of it tick marks with times of the day. 
so it can march you through the day en route to drinking a oh. hundred and twenty-eight <laughs> fucking ounces of water. Jeez, that's How? a lot of water. It is. Why? And it's, it's <laughs> someone somewhere said that's the recommended hydration amount. Others would say that's too much. Drink when you're thirsty, <laughs> otherwise not. <laughs> I, I'm doing it because I'm trying to kick the diet coke. So how many days starting tomorrow? Oh. Mm-hmm. Starting tomorrow, do you think I'll be able to complete the Meathead Gallon Jug Challenge? How many days, in a consecutive days, can you drink a gallon Over, of water? under. One. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gallon of water. A it's gallon. So That's so ridiculous. Now, it's funny you say this because... I kicked caffeine over this uh, stay at home and it turned out I was drinking a lot of my caffeine at lunch. So, you know, I'm at the office and I've, you know, everybody's there and we go out to lunch and I get my Diet Coke and I love Diet Coke and you get the Diet Coke. And the next thing you know, they're there for a refill. You get another one. Next thing you know, you've had three full, you know, glasses of Diet Coke and you're just jacked up for the rest of the day. And now, but when I'm at home, I, it was so easy to regulate, and I started bringing home caffeine-free Diet Coke, and I weaned myself from caffeine to non-caffeinated Diet Coke. Tastes the same, and now I'm now I'm caffeine-free. And All right. It's, it How has it worked? worked? Is it good? It, worked for, it was easy. You notice it, a difference? At night at bed, I sleep way better. Nice. I go to I go to bed faster. I fall asleep faster, and I stay asleep longer. That is zero percent shocking to me. Well done, Charge. Good job. Now, the health Nazis, or I say that lovingly, the health experts would say next step is get off decaffeinated Diet Coke because that's got a bunch of bad chemicals in it as well. But that's and it probably it probably does. But yeah, yeah. But let me enjoy that. It's just like the people that migrate from heroin to smoking. You know, let me have exactly. And, you know, then I'll, I'll work on getting off of that entirely uh, when, the, when the time comes. Uh, all right. So I'm putting the over under on a gallon a day at one. And had you more than $14.96, and I'm looking at it right now, then I would say there might be a monetary investment that would motivate you. But at 14 bucks, I think you'll kick that thing to the curb in about it one day. Okay. All right. We'll see how it goes. I'll keep you posted. I'm not saying you're wrong, but that Vegas, I think, had one and a half. So you're probably close. All right. Okay, you've got a couple things. Uh, I'll let you go now. Yeah. Let's go. What do you got? NBA is talking about coming back with 22, I believe, teams uh, for a better part of a two-month playoff that they're going to have with a play-in game and a playoff. And I believe, Zabe, that this should not be a championship playoff. This is not the playoffs. This is something different, and it, it's it is it's it's its own thing, but it's not that. This is this is not this is not the same as what you would get at the end of a long season. So much of what we associate with as the crowning achievement of a championship comes because of the endurance, the perseverance, the ability to overcome injuries, the mental fortitude it takes to stay on top of your game for an eight-month NBA season, right? And you get to the end of this incredibly long regular season, and then it all starts again. And you've got you've to have all of the fortitude to get through all of that. And here, we're going to have a four-month break in the season, and then we're going to come back and just 
award the the what is the what's the NBA trophy the the Larry like, O'Brien trophy the Larry O'Brien trophy just like it was normal there's nothing normal about this <laughs> there's nothing normal about this this is a totally different thing and it's okay for it to not be normal but it should not be Larry O'Brien it should be a totally different thing now I understand and it, when I brought this up on the air, everybody's like, what about the Redskins? Redskins, yeah. 91. Two, you know, two. there's. No, 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 no. The 91 title was the pure one. Uh, 83 and 87. 83 Thank was you. a, was a uh, strike shortened year. Or no, no, yes. it was the, it was the, yeah. No, 83 was the lockout shortened year. Or maybe strike. No, it was a strike shortened year. And then 87 was the replacement year. That's so it. That's 83 it, yes. was a truncated season that had a different playoff format because they didn't play a full 16. 87, they actually had bus drivers counting in the standings. <laughs> I've always said this, Charge. I look at those two championships by my Redskins and Joe Gibbs as even more special. Almost like a child with special Why? needs. You love them even more because in the case of Gibbs, in both those years, he had to keep the team together and be you know innovative. Like... Bill Parcells with the Giants at 87 said, fuck this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to coach a bunch of truck drivers to play football. Gibbs dug in, found guys, and did his best work, and he kicked the asses of everybody else with the replacements, including a Cowboy team that had about five or six stars like Dorsett and uh, Randy White break the picket line in the final week. Wow. So I, I look um, at that as a badge of honor, but yes, those are truncated seasons. One thing about the NBA – Mm-hmm. And I will uh, gently disagree with you on this front. If they say, here's our trophy, here's how you get to it, and as long as it's a reasonable, equitable way to get to it, and I think that the layout of the playoff tournament as they're going to have it is, then it's a championship. It's not like all the others, but it's there. They're giving out a trophy. They're going to give out rings. You're going to get the money for the championship. It's a championship. What would make it I think a farce is one idea that has been floated for home court advantage in neutral site Orlando. You ready? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you heard this? No. One player on each team with home or one player on the home team advantage team would get seven fouls. Oh, you're changing, you're changing the integrity of the game. That would put a huge asterisk because can you imagine Giannis with seven fouls? Uh, No. Can you imagine LeBron with seven fouls? And LeBron James has checked into the game and he's got a knife on his belt, which is weird. (laughs) Seems like he's not too concerned about fouling out tonight. All right. This will be interesting. Um, I'm, I, I'm with you. I don't like it. You're, you're, you can't tinker with the mechanics of the game and that, that, that would absolutely do it. And you know what? You just play on a neutral site. And if you're the better team, it shouldn't matter anyway. And so here's the thing. If you uh, want to call it, uh, it y- shouldn't, yes. but it does, you know, you've it heard will. of people you've, will care. Have you heard of the book scorecasting? No. L. John Wertheim and I forget somebody else, Wall Street Journal reporters, wrote about the hidden advantages in sports. And they compared home court advantage and home field, field advantage for all the four major sports. And they found out the biggest advantage sport was the NBA. And after mm. research, the reason they figured out why was there are more calls per game that can affect the outcome. And the referees being human, not robots, are affected by crowd reactions. Hmm. Done. Okay. 
and done. That's all it was. You would think you could overcome that. You know, if that's if that's the only real advantage you have, you'd think you could overcome that pretty easily. Well, but I don't know. No, you can overcome it, but it makes sense that it exists because look, NBA or basketball has so many 50-50 calls. Block charge, is it a foul, not a yeah. foul? Who's yeah, it on? Yeah. You're a referee who's human, and you have made three calls against the Lakers in LA. Every call louder and louder. Boo, you suck. Fuck off. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's and then here comes LeBron charging in for a dunk, throws it down. You think it's a charge, but you've already called three in a row. And in the back of your you head, can't you're do like, it again. Right. Can't do it again. So you so you you punch the N one, the crowd goes crazy. You, even though you're supposed to be a neutral referee, get that endorphin rush of, yeah, all right, this is exciting. It shoves you a little bit in one direction. It wasn't mm-hmm. a huge advantage difference between the NBA and the other sports, but it was a couple percentage points. So we'll see about that. What else do you got? Well, just one last thing on this. I think uh, I think we all want to have the NBA come back. Um, and if they want to come back, great. And by the way, even better, if this will push the start of the season, the next season back farther anyway, which is what I think they should have done. I did not like and don't like that the NHL and the NBA run basically in parallel. I would like to see the NBA kick off on Christmas Eve, like a lot of people have suggested, and have that have that finish oh. closer to the start of football season. I think that Christmas would be great. Eve. Yes. I haven't heard that one. It's this is just my theory. I, um, you know, I we, like yeah. that they've they they've owned Christmas Day for a Day. while. Mm-hmm. Start with one on Christmas Eve. Look at think of all the kids in their little LeBron pajamas. <laughs> at night and they go to bed. I mean, that'd be fucking great. I feel like a kid again. An NBA game be. on Christmas Eve every every year. How great. So you you know your first game of the year in the NBA is usually a signature game anyway. So you put that on Christmas Eve. And so anyway, you run that all the way through to the end of summer, then roughly the NFL starts and away we go. And that'd be to me that would be a great that would be a great a great season. Anyway, so you have this you have this playoff for the NBA. It should still be a championship of some kind but it is not because of all the reasons that i talked at the beginning it should not be larry o'brien hoisting that same what do you want to call something it? else i don't care i don't care what you want to call it the steve zavin summer championship i don't care it should be something else because everybody's healthy everybody's rested there is no test of endurance there's no test of perseverance there's no test of fortitude <laughs> none of that it's all off the table and that's half of the battle it's all gone everybody about- is Healthy, fresh, and reinvigorated. Would you be okay if I replaced the Larry O'Brien Trophy's ball, the basketball, with mm-hmm. instead a coronavirus molecule that we've seen from the... <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. With all the little spiky things coming out of it. Yes. Yeah. That would be perfect. How great would that be? It's like, hey, it's the, it's the base of the NBA championship trophy, but... It's got a coronavirus molecule on it, so nobody ever forgets how you want it. Uh, I have one request for this podcast in particular. Okay, when I get when I get the email in my inbox tomorrow morning with this podcast, I want the photo in that email to be Tucker. Okay. I'll Let's make, get Tucker. I'll make Tucker the uh, the image for the podcast. Be, how about that? that? That would be perfect. And then here Thank you go. You, my friend. Hold on. This. Hold on. We'll give you this. Good day. How's it going? It's a great day to be up in space <laughs> looking down at all you hosers. Much <laughs> tougher than I thought in space, eh? <laughs> Still nailed it, though. Good day. 
How's it going? All right, Charge. It's a great day to be Shut a- up, Frank. Thank you. All right, Charge. We'll talk to you, buddy. All right, let's end on this headline. U.S. adults will spend approximately 44 years of their life staring at screens. Oh, my God. Research polling 2,000 adults in the U.S. found more than 6,259 hours a year are spent glued to gadgets such as phones, laptops, and televisions. That equates to an astonishing 44 years of your life over an expected 60-year lifetime. Smartphones take up a huge bulk of it, especially for teenagers. Look, I'm guilty as anybody. I have been doing some things quietly I'm not going to talk about to try to short-circuit and decouple from consuming anything that is delivered to my brain via my right thumb. That's my rule. If it's from my right thumb... Guess what? I need less of it. Scrolling. It's the worst. Buddy of mine, after this, you know, Breeze uh, LeBron thing and all blew up, said, I feel like I'm fighting off the army of walkers in Walking Dead. And I said, bro, log the fuck off. It is a no-win game. You'll be so much better for it mentally. Listen to a soothing podcast, even though I know I... I discussed things that are upsetting today, and I left out a lot of things that are even more upsetting. But anyway, just for uh, your information purposes only, 44 years of your life staring at screens. Enough already. All right, thank you so much for listening. Remember, tomorrow is Friday, and that means uh, our loyal subscribers get to listen to me and Jay bridge the gap, come together, brother from another mother, kumbaya, Talk and listen. Talk and listen. It's all good. We'll talk to Jay tomorrow on the Zabecast. If you want to subscribe, go to Red Circle. Uh, search for the subscribe button. I'm, well, I don't even know how to subscribe. That's so embarrassing. Um, there's ways to su- subscribe. <laughs> Fuck, I should know this. I should know this. Damn it. We're switching over. Cancel your Libsyn. Switch over to Red Circle. And... Uh, I think you can. See, I think you have to search for my show. They don't have a convenient button. They should have our shows just listed prominently. If you're having trouble, let me know. If you're already a subscriber, thank you very much for that. Uh, by going to Red Circle, we get an RSS feed of the show, which is convenient because it delivers it to just about every podcast platform, but not all. There's two of them that don't, assholes. You can get 12 months for the price of 11 when you buy it for a year. And best of all, uh, like I said, you get it delivered via RSS feed. I thank you for that. If you still want to go month to month, you can do that as well over at Red Circle. But please cancel Libsyn. Jump to Red Circle because we are closing Libsyn soon. And if you're having any troubles whatsoever, the health department, me, and Chris Broussard open 24-7. We will get you on time. Quality content worth paying a fair price for. And I appreciate it very much. Rate and review so our algorithms look good to the lords above. Tell anyone who likes good, intelligent podcasts to come on in. There's plenty of room. Have a great Thursday, and we will see you next time.